Welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast. My name is Melanie Hester, and I'm so glad that you're spending time with me today. This conversation is one that might seem kind of familiar to you. The conversation you're about to listen to is between Jenny Smith and Jared Kennedy, two long-term children's ministry leaders. These two leaders continue to keep their relationship going as they work in various capacities, but always centered on the discipleship of kids. As you listen, the familiarity here is going to be two friends who serve in children's ministry together, talking about what it looks like to disciple kids in today's church. This conversation was originally recorded at the Child Discipleship Forum, and Jared was also a main stage speaker. You can hear his full talk at childdiscipleship.com. But for now, here's that conversation with Jared Kennedy. live from the CBS 2023 recording this. Um, we're glad to have Jared Kennedy, my buddy with us. I'm so excited that so good to you be here, are Jenny. here and we're going to have a fun conversation for the next 25 minutes or so. Um, but as we get rolling, will you share with everybody just who you are? I share your story. How did you get to where you are today? Tell us yeah. about your family. Tell us all the things. Yeah. So I'm Jared Kennedy. And uh, so work-wise, I I serve as an editor at the Gospel Coalition, um, so I edit Bible and theology and church ministry content there. I've been there for two years now, right. since 21. Uh, before that, I served for about 13 years as a family pastor yeah. at a local church in Louisville, Kentucky. And so for so you're one of us. Yes, so I'm a I'm a children's minister first, and then have made that transition to nonprofit later yeah. on. So I'm married to Megan. We've been married for 20 years, and we have three girls. Our um, oldest, Rachel, is 18. She's a freshman in college. Uh, Our middle daughter, Lucy, is 16, and then Elizabeth is 14. And uh, we raise chickens. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I knew you're an Alabama fan and you raised chickens. I am an Alabama fan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. Yes, we live in the suburbs, but (laughs) we're like urban do the little little bit of urban farming. Well, that's stuff. so cool. So and that's fun. not why we're here, but you're raising chickens like <laughs> for eggs or for pets? Yes, all of the above. All of the above. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, I learned something I didn't know. Yeah. But we've been friends for a long time, and I appreciate for your sure. contribution to Kids Ministry World, and I love, and we'll talk about this some more, but now you're in this more academic role and editor role, but... Like you said, you're a kids minister at heart, and so I'm grateful that you're here to speak at the forum and to um, share with our audience today as we do this little bonus interview. Um, I want to mention, because I'm going to be referencing it a lot, that you also have a book that came out last year, right? So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's called Keeping Your Children's Ministry on Mission in the Shape of the Book is, you know, four things I think are at the heart and soul of what we do in children's ministry. And so uh, what I spoke about here at CDF is gospel-seasoned hospitality, um, and then gospel-centered teaching, uh, gospel-shaped discipleship, and a gospel-fueled mission are the the four four parts of that. And so if that's interesting to you, I'd love for you to pick it up. It is so interesting to all of us, right? (laughs) Well, what I love, so I read it, I think it came out, 21, right? Beginning I think of 21-ish, right. yeah. somewhere in yeah. there. 
Um, the same time that I made the shift from Kids Ministry World to Awana and was really learning the Awana language and Awana culture. And we talk about belong, believe, become as being the essentials yeah, that's of right. discipleship. And so when I read your book at that same time, it's like, we're all talking the same language, right? right? And you and I and our friends have always been passionate about gospel-centeredness and children's ministry. So I knew that was your heart. And so as we talk today, I want to kind of dig through some of what you said and go through that context of belong, believe, become, because okay. I think that it resonates with our Awana audience and it's your heart. Yeah. as well. So let's talk a little bit about belonging. And, and that was what you've talked about tonight, today at the forum. You talked about having the humility like Jesus to welcome kids. Can you talk about that a little bit um, from a practical perspective? You shared that some in here, but share yeah. it with this audience. Like, what does that look like? How do we humble ourselves to welcome kids? Yeah, I think I think sometimes when we think when Jesus says become like children, I, I think we think about it in terms of having a childlike faith or, or being simple. Um, but when Jesus put a child among his disciples, he was asking them to put themselves in that needy place mm. where they open their hands and mm. say, um, I'm desperate. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I really cry out like babies yeah. cry out. And so I practically, I mean, I think the most important thing is prayer. Yeah. Um, prayer is that God dependent posture of the gospel right. that says, I, I'm a child. You are my father and I need you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and sometimes I think I'm just, um, you know, I, as a children's minister, we can be anxiety driven. Right. Um, you know, there are call offs the night before. <laughs> and, yes. and so Always. you're like, you're like <laughs> trying to find volunteers and, right. um, you're trying to get that activity sheet run out or run off or refilling the crayon box and those kinds of things. And I think just I, I, the first thing I, I think to have a, a culture in your children's ministry that rests in the good news yeah. is to quiet your heart and to go to the Lord and say, Lord, we need you here mm. in the midst yes. of this. All yeah. these things might not be done, but we need you here. Um, and I think doing that with your team, yeah. not, you know, doing that on your own, praying through your class role the week before class, but then huddling together as a team. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm in my 40s now, so I just look in the mirror to be humble. But I, I think, I think the other, uh, the other practice of humility is really uh, the Bible is a mirror, mm-hmm. and and just opening the Word yeah. to allow God's Word to show us those places where we fall short, yeah. and um, and so I, you know, I'm really looking for a children's ministry team that spent time in the word, hearing where this message um, calls them out and convicts them, um, that person is going to be able to more passionately communicate how God meets us in the midst of our mess. If they've they've felt that sense of God meeting them in their mess before they get there. So I think, you know, we can talk about, I'll, I'll use an academic word, we can talk about hermeneutics, you know, how to, okay. how to like interpret the Bible mm-hmm. in a, in a Christ centered or gospel centered way. Yeah. Um, but even before we get to those kinds of principles, it's really important to have a posture mm-hmm. before the Lord that says I'm needy and I, I need your help. Yeah. So. You mentioned in your talk that sometimes kids ministry leaders are kind of the worst at that sometimes because we're so, or not necessarily with the humility portion, but about pausing and 
and um, taking some time to be present with kids and what a big part of that is for welcoming. And that does involve humility, recognizing, right, that, that God's got this. I don't have to do all the things on my own. How can I put myself aside to be present? So what are some practical ways that you did that when you were serving in the church? Yeah, I mean, I think that's true just because um, it's such an administratively heavy yes. job. You know, yeah. I, I I think it would be self-indulgent for me to tell y'all that you have the hardest job in the church, even if I believe it. But um, <laughs> hey, we, there, are, there are a lot of different hard jobs in the church. Yeah. But I, I think at the same time, like, there, it's so administratively heavy. Mm-hmm. And so when there's so many things to remember, there can be a lot of anxiety For sure. in that. Um, yeah, I think having... I, so some of the things I mentioned about prayer, but I think another thing I would just say is there are... Having people in the ministry who know you well enough that can say, yeah, you're kind of snarky today. Can you tone that down a little bit? Or or you... Is everything okay, Jared? You feel anxious today, right. you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think... Man, I was a better children's minister when I'd served with the same people for a long time. Yeah. And they knew my sins Mm -hmm. and that, you know, they knew that my anxious tendencies and they were able to say to me, um, hey, have you considered, have you eaten today yet? Like (laughs) those kinds of things, you know. And having a team where you give the permission for that, right? I think sometimes we feel like as leaders, we... We've got to have it all together, and we've got to act like we have it all together all the time. So yes. I love that you had really that kind of relationship where they had permission to tell you you're being snarky. Well, I think it's true in, the, in parenting and in the church. Like I think we can have this vision of pastoral ministry, church leader mm-hmm. ministry, and of parenting that are like parents and pastors are up here, the congregation and yeah. children are down here. Um, but one of the very best things you can do as a parent um, and as a church leader, is confess your sins. Mm. Um, to confess our sins to our children, yeah. to confess your sins to the congregation, yeah. and be honest about the fact that you need grace, you right. need the good news. Right. And that kind of culture, over time, can bleed through um, a, a church community and, and help them be willing to do the same thing. So to For take sure. the lead in that um in a way that's not like bragging about your sins, sure. you know, but, but in or a way oversharing that, or oversharing <laughs> Telling them all the there things are hard, there, a little much. There are hard, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but being real, yeah, there, and there's certain things you share with certain accountability partners and not <laughs> with everyone. Sure, right? Right? For sure. But, but I think, I think the willingness to be honest yeah. about those weaknesses, um, helps cultivate that kind of, of, of culture that where we help each other because, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, there's no silver bullet. You're not, I mean, you're, when you get call-offs, you're going to feel anxious. Like, I don't yes. think there's, that's normal human right. experience. Right. Um, but having the other people around you who can help bring you back yeah. um, to that dependent place is a, is a really healthy thing. And feel that they can. I yeah, love that. that's right. So they're thinking about belonging and welcoming. I want to talk a little bit more about your family. Um, okay. You mentioned yeah. you have three girls. Yes. Um, and your middle daughter has special needs. That's right. And I know a lot of churches face this as well, as how do we welcome families well when they're, they're dealing with special needs in their family? So yeah. what have you guys experienced? What have you learned? What did you need from the church to yeah. feel welcomed and like you belonged? Oh, Man, that's a deep question. That was a deep um, question, sorry. Um, yeah, I I think I'll just praise God for the things he provided. You know, I um, uh, before 
Lucy was diagnosed with autism. We had a, a couple that was a little older mm-hmm. than us in the church who had a son uh, who had a chromosomal abnormality. And and they came to me and said, hey, can we come to the children's ministry? Mm-hmm. And so we made some adjustments to the classroom. We allowed him to kind of stay in children's ministry a little longer before moving up to youth ministry. Um, I think we baptized him. Like oh, It was, it was so like cool. a really sweet story. And then when our child was diagnosed and we began having that, that family became like mentors to us. Mm, They had us over to their house. Like they told us how to navigate the public school system. They, they began like pouring into us and helping us find therapists and, and doctors and and those kinds of things. And I think having those older Christians who have been in that experience before press in with you is a a really important thing. I, I think the second thing is, um, uh, I heard this from Amy Fenton Lee years yeah. ago at conferences we used we to go her. to at the yeah. same time. And um, Amy just said different size churches can provide different things yeah. for families. And so if you're in a really big church, they may have a a great disability ministry and a respite yeah. ministry yeah. and all, all of those the things. things. Yeah. Um, and I think we just saw, we you know, we were a smaller church plant at the time and and I think we just saw that having a inclusion kind of ministry where we can come beside, recruit a buddy to walk beside this kid and help them do that was what we could do. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah, the the woman of the couple that mentored us mm-hmm. started sort of a, a small group of moms who had special needs kids. Yeah. And them meeting once a month just to, like, pray together yeah. and one of them lead a devotional and then to kind of share their struggles and their questions. Like those were just two things we could do, right. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I, then I think over time we did not really put anything on the website. We just like, <laughs> just it, right? we just did that. And over time yeah. the Lord kept sending us like more families and we made other adjustments. And so, um, yeah, there was a young boy who, battle leukemia mm-hmm. and and so we did quarantine way before covid where we he would come to the early service where there were less kids uh two of our college students would sanitize that room before he got there they would do the children's ministry lesson with him and his siblings because wow. his siblings also couldn't be exposed yeah. to sickness um and then we'd kind of send them out before the crowd came for the later that, service, so cool. you know, and just made little adjustments like that family by family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of like getting to know people on an individual basis and making the adjustments you can yeah. would be my biggest encouragement. I love that because I feel like churches sometimes we get stuck in trying to figure out all the big programming and trying to do all the things that all the big churches do. But I love what you're talking about, about meeting each family where they are. And I love the yeah. mentoring part of it too, connecting a family with another family who's either been through it or can sympathize it or understand or come alongside and walk alongside you. I love yeah. that. And I think the question you asked a minute ago is a really great question to ask those families, like yeah. to ask what do you need? Ask the families themselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rather than assume or try to figure it out. Yeah. And I think there can be times where, uh, especially when you're first in the diagnosis process where that can be overwhelming for the family. They're like, everybody's asking us what we need. We don't know what we need. And in, in those cases, just love them well. And, and, but I think there's later on when a family begins to get into their own rhythms, mm-hmm. 
there and becomes more aware of like what are the impediments of church like is it a sensory issue with my child is it a um is it a fact we don't have an elevator at our church to right. get up to the where the right. children's ministry is on the second floor like like beginning to listen to those things helps you mm-hmm. to make the adjustments you need whether that i mean it could be bigger things like facilities it could right. be um yeah spending money on a sensory room and and that kind of thing um but i think it begins relationally and then yeah. you then you adjust in those ways yeah well, I love um, this next section of your book is what I would call believe. I don't think that's really what it's called, <laughs> but that's how it is in our, in the, yeah, our context. Right. Um, but focusing more in on what we teach and how do we, in the discipleship process, what are we um, helping kids learn and understand about Scripture. And you like to talk about your old dead friends. Is that what you call them? I do, my old dead friends. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so one yeah. of the things that I think... Martin Luther is one of my old dead friends. <laughs> <laughs> when we talked about your book, that was one of the things that stood out to me when we talked about it last year was it's different because you talk about Martin Luther and you talk about stories from church history and those kind of things. Why do you feel church history is important for child discipleship and important for kids ministry leaders to know? Because this book's written for kids ministry leaders. Yeah, that's right. Why is that important? Well, I think our tendency in the American church today is to think about next generation ministry, youth ministry, and children's ministry in light of the cultural trends. Right. We talk about that a lot. We've seen in our culture. Yeah. And to make the adjustments simply based on that. But the truth is the church has had a story that's a lot bigger than that. Right. And often they faced trends that trace way back. Right. Um, Even things like Sunday school, like have like a history in the church that most of us aren't aware of. Like, right. where did this come from? Yeah. And so I think when we know that bigger family story, mm-hmm. um, it helps us see sometimes when we're overreacting. Okay. And when we're, or when we're underreacting, okay. you know, to things. And so I think, um, yeah, Lewis, C.S. Lewis talked about this a lot. Like, he, he talked about... The problem with chronological snobbery, thinking that your things are always getting better, you yeah. know, and so you look, kind of turn your nose down at the past. Yeah, um, he's like you read these older folks not because they were perfect, not to not to have like a sense of nostalgia, yeah, and say things were great in the Reformation. We should just go back there. Yeah, um, they were not always great in the Reformation. Right. Martin Luther had big issues, okay. um, but like you read them though because you've got people who are doing church ministry. And they give, it's like having a conversation partner with someone from a completely different culture. Yeah. And completely different country who looks in from the outside and just can see things you can't see. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time talking about my old dead friends because, um, because I want to learn from them. Yeah. I want to learn from what they they see about the church that we can't Yeah, and you feel church see. leaders, kids ministry leaders need to know more of that story. And they can handle reading a little bit of church history. They can, they right. can handle that. they can. Yeah. They're yeah. super smart. Yeah, that's <laughs> we are right. super smart. That's right. <laughs> um, but you think kids should know it too. I think you guys have some books coming out talking about your old dead friends, I right? I do. I just wrote a uh, biography of Martin Luther for, for, for middle grades readers. Okay. It uh, comes out in September of... 2024. Okay. So in the in the future, but yes, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I mean, you get to learn about Luther's kidney stones. Okay. You get to learn about, um, uh, yeah, you know, just his his adventures with his friend, and it's it's fun. And you want kids to know that why? 
why do I want kids to know that? Yeah. Um, I think I think Luther lived in a time when he rediscovered the gospel, mm. and I think that's super important uh, yeah. for us to to cling to that that doctrine of justification. Yeah. Um, Luther also um, really believed that maturity in the Christian life comes through suffering. Mm, yeah. Um, and he was a guy who didn't always suffer well. Yeah. Um, you know, he was racially prejudiced in some way. I mean, there, there, are, there are hard things in that story. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the doctrinal way he talked about suffering yeah. um, was, um, it's inspiring to me. So. And we don't talk about suffering much with kids. We tend yeah. to gloss over that, like yeah. it's not a thing, and yeah. they encounter it. We've talked about trauma today at the CDF, yeah. and our, our friend Sam Luce has talked a lot about how we, one of the best ways we can disciple our kids is them seeing how we handle suffering and how we turn to God during suffering. So I, I think that's an important part for them to know and see those examples. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, Luther called it the difference between a a theology of glory, and we should have a theology of God's glory. That's yeah. not what he's talking about. Yeah. But one that saw the power for the Christian life always being in, in wealth and personal power yeah. and personal influence. And a theology of the cross that recognized that salvation came through our Savior's death. Yeah. And that often in weakness is where God shows his greatest strength. Yeah. And um, I want to lean, I always want to lean toward that theology of the cross. So I, I actually think... Going back to what we were talking about a minute ago, I, I think that's where people with disabilities can re- one of the great gifts they give to the church. Hmm. Say more about that. Well, I, um, I think it was Andrew Wilson, who he has twin boys that are uh, autistic, and he said one of the gifts my sons have in our church is that they um, they draw out the compassion. Yeah. of other people yeah. and that we become a more compassionate community because they, they see those needs and they're willing to move mm-hmm. toward them. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Amy Julie Baker, her, her daughter has Downs and, and she talks about, you know, people with Down syndrome um, like have a really evident joy. Yeah. And so the gift that she has on the greeting team at their church is that when everyone else is irritable, her, <laughs> her, her daughter is still there with an evident joy. Yeah. And so while this is a weakness, it's yeah. it's also one that bends, you know, these individuals in a certain direction yeah. um, that both serves the church and draws, draws out, um, you know, the kind of compassion and uh, relational empathy that we want to cultivate in the church at the same time. And I, I think what the gospel teaches us is that in, you know, this is Paul in, in 1 Corinthians with this thorn on the flesh, that whole that whole thing is that his strength is perfect in our weakness. Yeah. And um, that it's, it's in those places that we're weak. Paul says, that's where I'll boast. Yeah. Um, because that's where the glory of God is ultimately seen most clearly. And uh, I, I think we're tempted... Um, in a culture that's all about winning all the time, you know, it, it, yeah. we're we're tempted not to believe that. And mm-hmm. um, so, my hope for the church, especially for children's ministers, yeah. um, is that we would embrace that reality. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, 
you and your ministry were gospel-centered before that was cool, like before everybody was talking <laughs> about it. You have always been centered on the gospel. That's what your whole book is about, is how kids' ministry can stay on mission, but that mission is being gospel-centered. So what would be a couple things you'd tell a kids' ministry leader who's saying, yes, this is the direction I want to go. I want to focus on child discipleship. I want to focus on being more gospel-centered. I'm not sure that's where my ministry is right now. What would be a couple of practical steps in moving in that direction? Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing Awana's talked about today that Matt's really passionate about is moving the needle from your tasks during the week being yes. so administratively heavy right. to actually training mm. people in the Word. Right. I mean, coming back to the Scriptures, yeah. teaching people how to read their Bibles yeah. is the kind of thing, the Bible is focused on Jesus. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so that's the kind of practice that is going to center your ministry as a whole. Back mm. And so I think upping that, I, I can't quote all the statistics that Matt can, but I, I think, I think, you know, moving that needle where you're spending six to eight hours of your week, yeah. investing in your team, training them how to read the Bible, training yeah. them in the gospel um, is one of the ways to move the needle yeah. back in a more gospel centered direction. I think remembering, and we started with this, but remembering ministry is relational. Yeah. Um, that it's it's not about the tasks first. Right. It is ultimately about people. Yeah. Um, and the more that we can shift our perspective so that we're talking about people, um, the better. Uh, yeah, the more centered on Christ it's yeah. going to be. Well, Jared, we are grateful for you. We're grateful for your long-term investment in child discipleship and how you're continuing to do that in, with your work with the Gospel Coalition and all that you do. Um, one thing we are trying to do is gather from leaders a prayer for disciple makers out there. So would you mind ending us with just a prayer for those who are serving kids and who are discipling kids and just for God to continue to use them? Would I would love to do that. Awesome. Father, I just pray... Um, that you would remind the men and women who are watching um, that they are loved in you and that even in their weakness, um, that you by your Holy Spirit are present to them. And so I pray, Lord, that you would um, live uh, through them and show yourself clearly and beautifully in their ministry as they love children and families. I pray that as they welcome kids that they would know uh, that they have opened the door for you. For Christ's sake, amen. Amen. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.